Simon, half of Fitzsimon and Brogan. Are you the, the better half of that duo? I'd say my partner, uh, B, is much really the better half of that. <laughs> is the correct answer. Just in case B is listening, I wanted to underline that yeah, first. Yeah. Um, you just told me you're signed to a French label. Uh, is that yeah. Fab Productions? WTPL in France, and we've got a... Um, an American publisher as well, and we do stuff from our studio at home. Oh, that must be a joy. So it means you're never bored if you've got a studio. And do you no. use Logic or Cubase or other? Oh, well, to be quite honest, B is the technical one. I never learned. She uses Cubase. Oh. I know that, yeah. <laughs> That's about what I use Audacity. I, I, I think it's like... I always say I don't use eBay because I don't know what will happen by the end of it and how much money I'll be down. I know that Logic and Cubase will just change me as a musician because I'm primarily acoustic. Um, oh, right, okay, yeah. Because I'm yeah. just used to... More electric. Yeah, and, and you can hear via Spotify, uh, I've been listening this morning to this Wicked Pantomime, which is the latest release. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fans of Bowie will find much to enjoy here, fans of Suede, but ultimately it's very six music. I hope that's meant as a compliment. Yeah, it is, yeah. I don't know if you know that Woody Woodman's uh, Bowie's drummer played on this album, and uh, also Elvis Costello's drummer played on it as well. Yeah, Woody Woodman's Ian Peter. Cool, so, so you definitely don't want to hey, use Thomas. a drum machine, you're using some of the most travelled drummers. Uh, yeah. In the world, yeah, that's God, right. I bet they've got some blue boar tales for you. Yeah, I mean, Woody's been really good. He's, he's become like a friend to us, and we speak quite regularly. Pete, not so much so because he's uh, living in Los Angeles, but Woody's still based in this country, and we've met him now. And everything he came over because we live on the Isle of Wight. Oh wow! He, he, yeah, he, yeah, we moved from London about five years ago, and he came over here to do a Bowie evening, and so yeah, we met up with him and everything. And he's uh, yeah, he's a lovely bloke. He's got a book out. I haven't read it, but I always, whenever there's a Bowie retrospective, Woody Womansey is the representative of the spiders from Mars. Yeah, well, he's the only one now left. Like, oh, God, he is. Yeah, but I speak to him on the phone and everything, and he's got many, like, you know, fascinating stories and everything to tell. So, yeah, he's been, he's been really good. And so they're both great drummers as well, ones that I've always admired. So it was great to work with them. Oh, Pete Thomas is a tremendous drummer, and I, w- I would love yeah. to chat about 70s glam rock. Yeah. And In fact, let's do that. Let's shelve your two books, Rhapsody in Blue <laughs> and A Deeper Shade of Blue, which I've mentioned just in case. I actually spoke to yeah. Andy Bollen, who um, is a comedy writer and also a musician who toured as part of a band yeah. who played with Nirvana in the early 90s. So it's lovely to have another one, like Philippe O'Claire, yeah. whom you may know straddles music and football. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of him, I think, yeah. Yeah, and we had Philippe in very early in the football library. I might have him again because I think France are the favourite for the Euro. I just want to run through some of these things. This is Johnny Nicholson, who is relevant because this being the football library, you get your laminated football library card. Roy Keane is on the door and then at the front desk is John Nicholson. Do you know John? Do you know of him? The name does ring a bell, Football yeah. 365, he's written books about um, the terrible nature of modern football and the skyification. Oh, yeah. Of, uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. I, I just wanted to mention this because this is one of the things that Johnny's done. Um, 30 of the inevitable reasons and solutions shouted into a phone to 606 after another tournament loss. <laughs> right, so um, 
Uh, and I wanted to read this out because um, we had Johnny in very, very early on. He's written these two books that you ought to borrow from the football library. Yeah. Um, all the players who didn't play should have played. All the players that played shouldn't have played. There's no passion. We have no world-class players. Manager doesn't shout enough. They've let the whole country down. Stop feeling everyone's pain and try winning instead, Southgate. Terrible foreign refs. Southgate is too soft, unlike the fans. Southgate is too woke, unlike the fans. They're all pampered little darlings, unlike the fans. It's the press's fault. They didn't want it enough. Dirty foreigners. Technically naive. He's taken us as far as he can. They're too rich to care. They don't love the Queen. They don't sing the national anthem. They're overrated. They lack head wounds. If they don't bleed for your country, you're dead to me. Didn't make a record or wear V-neck lamb wool sweaters. Liking rap music instead of Chris Rea. It's all down to taking the knee. Jack Grealish's hair. Effing Sven and Nancy and Fabio. Pet Guaviola. He can get in the bin along with Meghan Markle. Feminazis. Hey, you. Where are you from, eh? No, I mean really from. Get Big Sam in. <laughs> yeah, that's just about covers it, I think. So, will you be watching the tournament? Um, yeah, I mean, I've got to admit, um, England come a poor second to Chelsea. Really, I've, I've got enough on my plate with worrying about them. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll be watching it. But um, I suppose when I was a kid and everything, I was more like into England. Uh, but yeah, I'm like a lot of people, I've lost the passion for. I'll, I'll watch all the games, of course, I will. Yeah, but uh, if we get knocked out, I won't. Um, lose any sleep over it to be quite honest I'm really not looking forward to the xenophobia that is inevitable as Johnny pointed out Uh, I am looking forward to seeing what Mason Mount can do I'm very interested I have a vested interest in this tournament uh, because I'm writing a book about the FA Youth Cup and Rhys James and Mason Mount have graduated from the Chelsea School of Excellence under Neil Bath and Adi Viviash uh, to play I think they're automatics start Mount start James yeah I think they will do yeah I mean um they were both really good in the Champions League final, especially Reese James, who I thought absolutely just nullified. Uh, oh, he was pretty man of the match. Yeah, he had him, his, had him in his pocket, didn't he, really, from the, from the, the get-go. Yeah, I should imagine they're both being the starting lineup. I mean, um, yeah, it, it's strange with Mason Mount. Sometimes he seems to just, like, disappear. But, I mean, the uh, in some of the games, well, I mean, that's down to his age, I think, and it? inexperienced but I mean you know when he's on the top of his game and that pass that he did for Havertz in the final was um, yeah pretty good pretty well good fortunately top, top draw, wasn't it? It, it wrote the introduction for me um, Mason Mount's yeah. pass and then Reese James going over to celebrate and they all are ones of their own and I don't know what it'll happen if if Chelsea sign a new number nine I mean your reserve striker has won the World Cup uh, because your main yeah. striker, I hope Timo Werner has a good Euros. I hope he scores some goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think he's. I still think he'll have a place even if they sign um, a centre forward because he does a lot of uh, fantastic. Uh, As running. you saw for the goal, he I ran. Thought, he ran left yeah. to break the space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's just the finishing. But when you see some of the finishing from when he was at Leipzig or something it just seems almost unbelievable because some of those goals were fantastic mm-hmm. uh, and he can't he can't have lost that ability to do that I just think it's one of those things that forwards go through I mean people most probably don't remember but in Jogba's first two seasons at Chelsea he didn't exactly pull up any trees and I was one of those uh, who criticised him in fact I said that in one of the games I think it's the Champions League semi-final when we lost that ghost goal up in Liverpool mm-hmm that he couldn't trap a bag of cement. I was. It was only about the third season when he got about 30-odd goals and got the winning goals in 
in the League Cup and the FA Cup final. But he, he came into his own. I think he like had took a while to acclimatise to English football. And after that, well, you know, the rest is history, really, isn't it? He's such a difficult striker to play against um, in the yeah, old-fashioned yeah. way. It's very Mourinho football. Yeah. You needed a dropper yeah. at the very pinnacle. Whereas now, with Hare Tuchel... Um, you need a kind yeah. of malleable forward line with the high press and the energy and the full-backs bombing. Yeah. And the, basically, Kante. I love the description of Kante as playing either side of his midfield colleague because he is worth oh, yeah, two players. Yeah. What's it like being oh, yeah, watching Kante for the last couple of seasons? Uh, yeah, I think he's an incredible player. Um, I've never seen anyone like him, to be quite honest. Uh, I mean, uh, I think even Makaleli came out last week and said it should be called the Kante position now, ah, not the very Makaleli nice. position. All right, I think, I, think I, I think we'll do that because Makaleli was also phenomenal. Yeah, he, yes. he, he was a uh, yeah. I mean, a great defensive midfielder, and he, he you know he won the ball and gave it. But I think uh, Kante's got another element to his game as well. On top of that, I just think yeah, he's an unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, if you look, if you saw him in the street, you'd never believe that he was like a professional footballer with that with that much talent and that much energy as well. I've never seen anyone run as much as him. I remember Dad. Took us to see. I used to support Tottenham, but please don't hold it against me, because uh, I want this to. Oh, I want this to continue beyond five minutes. Oh, um, and he said, "Watch Petit." He said, "Petit does not leave the centre circle," and that is the yeah. number four position, the old-fashioned yeah. role. The, the Pirlo took it over, and then Scholes took it over. And Henderson yeah. has sort of got that position now, or Declan yeah. Rice. Predominantly, yeah. Declan Rice. Do you think what happens if Declan Rice, who is a Chelsea lad, goes to Chelsea? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, it's one of those again that's slipped through the net. We've we've had a few of those actually. Um, you know, not 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 from the uh, some of Mourinho's decisions to let some of the players like De Bruyne and Salah go was obviously a bit of a mistake. But Declan Rice, yeah, I'm hoping that we're buying back actually because. Um, I think that was an error, and I think he's just the type of player that we need. Well, when there was that guy, Reese Oxford, when Rice was coming through, Reese Oxford was ahead of him, and yet no one's talking about yeah. Oxford. They're all talking about Rice, who, again, first name on the team yeah. sheet, and I suppose we must credit Neil Bath with his development. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. The problem I have with Chelsea is that it's Granovskaya who runs the club. You could get any old manager, you could get a sock puppet from the shed end to manage that team. And they would still win everything. Yeah, uh, well, I, I would disagree. I don't think they would have won the Champions League under under Frank Lampard. I don't think. I think they were a tactical mess uh, when Tuchel took over. And I think the one thing that he did do is that he, he got them playing to a system with with Lampard. Um, I mean, I've watched you know Chelsea through many years, and I could not work out what he was trying to achieve with them. I, I give him full credit for bringing those players on, but I, I do believe that we did need the change to have any chance of winning that Champions League this year. I wonder how crucial bringing in Hovertz, Ziyech, and Werner and Pulisic, especially, uh, were, yeah. and they were almost laying the groundwork for. Yeah. Um, Tuchel to step in in the way that Man City hired the two big cheeses at Barcelona and then said, come on, yeah. Pep, it's all yours. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I think having the German squad members there is, is very useful. Rudiger as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he, he, he looks a totally different player under um, Tuchel. Tuchel than what he did under that. Well, he's almost out the door, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, you know, I thought he was going to go, but, I mean, he's, he's been he's been a, well, Chelsea's best defender, um, 
like much yourself has been great playing alongside him. But uh, I just like to say, I didn't think there was any way we were going to end up with the Champions League this season, to be quite honest. The the chips have all fallen. Maybe it's just the too many games, but then you can't say that because Manchester City and Chelsea no. have the same number slash amount yeah. of games. Um, where did you yeah, end up watching the final? Well, suffering the final. It was those, when, he, when they put up seven minutes of injury time, mm. I... My heart sank when that happened. Especially you know, when Aguero's but, uh, on the pitch making his last appearance. Yeah, yeah. You think think that then Mares had that chance in the last minute that he put over the bar. And, but you know, on the night, um, not through uh, blue biased eyes, I thought we totally deserved to win it because I thought City never really turned up. To be quite honest, no. And I, I don't know what I don't know what Guardiola was at that night I, when I saw that team line up. I just couldn't quite believe that he'd. Uh, left out two defensive midfielders. Which well, because he I knew, think so. maybe he thought yeah. that they couldn't win on penalties because Tuchel would know that if you play a pivot or two pivots, you can't play through the midfield. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I think, yeah, it was a mistake. I mean, they just, they look jaded to me, Manchester City. I, I don't know. I think, um, I think somebody put it, they turned up expecting to win it and we were determined to uh, believe, you know, we, were, we wanted to win it rather than they just expected to. And I think that they got through to some of their players because, I mean, you know, De Bruyne never really showed much and all the others like Gundogan and everything like that. Now, I thought it was a pretty um, below par. I think it's a bit, you know, you've got to think it's, it's the biggest game in club football and I think it does get to them, you know, some of these players. And it's, uh, uh, luckily, you know, we stuck to our game plan and it, and it worked. Yeah, and it made Mr Abramovich very happy. All those rubles. Uh, finally yeah, coming good. Um, there, there's yeah. no point raking over Abramovich's um, money, but you can have all the money in the world, uh, but you have to build something that people at least like watching. So how yeah. does this 2021 side compare with the Cup Winners Cup winning team of 98? Champions League, but for John Terry slip, Champions League, which should have been winners, yeah. 2008. Uh, and then the 2012 Di Matteo team. Well, I think the best side out of all of those was the uh, the 2008 one, where we didn't win it in Moscow, uh, thanks to that slip. I would say that was one of the strongest Chelsea sides. I mean, you had the likes of Joe Cole, Carvalho, Terry, Ballot, uh, you know, Lampard, Drogba. I think McAlady played in that final check. Uh, Ashley Cole. I mean, I think that almost speaks for itself. I think the, the team in 98... When we beat, was it? Oh, was it Stuttgart? We beat. Yes, it was Stuttgart. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, yeah. Um, that was a good side with loads of flair in it and everything. But I think definitely, you know, we were one kick away from winning that. You know, so I don't think it was, it was the width of a post that stops us. Which is one of the, that is the worst night in my support of Chelsea. Uh, I just, you know, that haunted me. I still can't watch that whenever it comes on. I, I turn over. I'm just looking at the lineup of the '98 team. Gosh, it's a very varied lineup. Do you remember the '98 team? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I watched those. I remember the, I think the date of the finals, May the 13th, '98. <laughs> Absolutely yeah, right. That. Yeah, in Stockholm. Yeah. yeah. Ed Hoy in goal. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Dennis Wise, the captain. Uh, you had a guy yeah. sent off. Who was sent off? I think it's Petrescu. Petrescu. Who played left yeah. back? Was it Danny Granville? Danny. Granville, uh, Dubery, LeBeouf and Scotland manager Steve Clark. We wish him well. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's only one Gus Poyet, Di Matteo, Viali and Flo. 
Yeah. Hang on, so Zola came on and scored with his first touch. Is that right? He did, yeah. After about 30 seconds, I think, a through ball by Dennis Wise. And he, he ran onto it and blasted it into the roof of the net, didn't he? Oh, he's a genius. Just a, a little <laughs> yeah, he genius. Was. He was kind of... Uh, who yeah. was better, him or Alan Hudson? I'd say Zola, without a doubt. Uh, Hudson, Hudson uh, I mean, I was lucky enough to watch Hudson, you know, like in that first season, his first full season when we won the FA Cup. And he was unbelievable. I mean, he was only like four years older than me. I'd never seen a young player with, you know, that much ability. I've got to say that in the preceding seasons after that, the following seasons after, I'm sorry, the following seasons after that, he was never quite the same. And I think by the time the split came, like at the beginning of 1974, I think he'd, uh, he, he was a shadow of uh, the player he was in the first... Because uh, of injury? Well, I mean, there's stories about his life off the field, aren't there, and everything. I think there was a bit of a, a drinking culture at the club as well, but it was, it was a bit galling that he went to Stoke and then found that form back again almost instantly. Uh, I think he, he ended up, I think they finished fifth in the league that year that he went there, uh, Stoke, and we just uh, managed to avoid relegation. But the following season, we, uh, we got the chop as well. Yeah which um, I don't want to dwell on, but you do dwell on it because your latest book is A yeah. Deeper Shade of Blue, uh, which is an yeah. era of Chelsea's history that doesn't much get talked about. It was a grim time to be supporting them because when you were brought up with nothing but success like I was when I was a boy, uh, to suddenly start getting disillusioned as, you know, you could practically see the team and the ground uh, like crumbling before you, to mm. be quite honest. Well, it still is, isn't it? Yeah, Chelsea have wanted to move for about 20 years. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, I mean, they put those plans on hold, didn't they, for that new stadium and everything. And um, financially, I suppose it's going to be a good idea because they want to send it. I think because they can't go anywhere else, they're going to build down, aren't they? They're going <laughs> to go uh, build it down. I mean, the, the design was quite incredible mm-hmm. for this new stadium. It looks something quite gothic out of, like, you know, something out of Star Trek. The thought of not playing away from, you know, from Stamford Bridge for a few years, like, worries me a little bit. I, I, I think that's quite worrying. Mm-hmm. Really. And also, you know, what ha- yeah, what's happened to Tottenham? Move it yeah, what happened to Tottenham, yeah. But yeah, it- going to Wembley, you know. I've been to Stamford Bridge a few times. I decided on a whim to go and see Chelsea against Watford, who are now my team. Uh, and this right. was the game that Chelsea ended up lifting the trophy under Antonio. Remember Antonio oh, Conte? Remember him? Oh, it was 4-3 that night, wasn't it? It was an incredible game. Uh, I think it was uh, either Terry or Chalabar. It was a weak back pass. Um, it was, it was Terry. But, yeah, it was Terry, yeah. Yeah. He knows what yeah, he is. Heather. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, but Chelsea, but on, they were scintillating when they could be asked. And then uh, a couple of seasons later, uh, it was yeah. as if I keep saying this. They were try- it was fact, it was the next season. They were trying to get Conte sacked. Bakayoko got sent off within about twenty minutes, and then at the end of the oh, game, man. Hazard scored this amazing goal. But unfortunately, Watford scored four, uh, and that yeah, was four, it. One, yeah. And it was embarrassing. Yeah. And so Chelsea seems to be schizophrenic. You're either. Ag- agonisingly low or ecstatically high. I don't know how your heart can take it yeah. in the Isle of Wight. Maybe it's all the surfing well, that you might do. That's why I got out of London. Because um, <laughs> yeah, in London, I lived just right near the, the Arsenal ground. So uh-huh. I was I was like a, a blue in a sea of red and white. But luckily, while I was there, we dominated, you know, winning all the trophies. 
uh, apart from the first couple of years when the Invincibles, the Arsenal were around. Um, yeah, so I had a, quite a good time of it. Um, yeah, but as I, as I say, um, they're, they're a weird team. I was not impressed. Uh, I mean, with some of their performances this season, yes. it was like watching paint. Dry, it was watching, like watching paint dry, to be quite honest. And Jorginho drives me mad. Uh, I, I just, I know um, he's done various things this season, and he played well in that final. But um, I, I, I can't see him being there at the beginning of next season because Declan Rice will take his place. Yeah, yeah. I think I like Kovacic. I think he's excellent. I wasn't so sure about him when we when he first came on loan from Real Madrid, but I think he's a really tidy player at uh, Kovacic. And he, he, he drives forward as well, which is something that Chelsea don't do enough of. Yes, so nowadays the Chelsea team, well, there's flair, but I wouldn't say that there was dynamism as there was under Robin no. and Duff. Oh, no, we're near it. No, 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 that 2004-05 side that won the... You know, the first premiership under Mourinho was an incredible side. I mean, they only let in 15 goals all season. Yeah, embarrassing, as well. embarrassingly brilliant. Yeah. But that's what money gets you. Uh, but it made yeah. Chelsea the team to beat. And I was doing A levels at the time. So my focus was right. a little sidetracked. But I loved watching Duff and Robin and Joe Cole, who was the best player yeah. uh, never yeah. to have won a World Cup, possibly, for England, because he was at his age. Yeah. At West Ham. Oh, he's... Unreal. Yeah, did you ever see great. him when he was younger? Uh, I did, and he was... Uh, yeah, I saw him playing for West Ham against us a few times as well. And I was absolutely delighted when we got him. Uh, I think he struggled a bit with Mourinho, first of all, when he came in, because I think... I don't know how many times he was substituted uh, for lack of effort, but once he got his game together and everything and played as more of a team player than just like the brilliant ind- individual player he was, I think he was... A, yeah, he was a great player, Joe Cole, for the club. I wonder if Abramovich, certainly, and Mourinho definitely knew that Chelsea fans at the Shed End just wanted someone who excited them. Because after all, this is the club who in the 1960s attracted the eminences of the King's Road and uh, the West yeah. End at Sloan Square to football. Yeah. Uh, so all of, right. all of that build-up. Um, there's actually one more question. If you lived in North London, uh, which is Arsenal yeah. territory... Uh, and yeah. knowing what I know about your two books, Rhapsody in Blue and A Deeper Shade of Blue, is this the Chelsea version of Fever Pitch? And how many times have you been asked that question? Um, yeah, I suppose a few times. But I mean, I've got to be honest with you now. I read Fever Pitch, um, you know, when it first came out. And I- I'm sorry, but that's a middle class uh, person talking about football. I wanted to write two books of what it was like on the terraces, the more visceral side of it because I mean I think Nick Hornby when he uh, was at Cambridge he actually supported Cambridge and had, had two different teams he watched well I would no sooner do that than fly through the air to be quite honest and I wanted to write a book that showed some of the things in the book it's not the correct way to talk about other teams so, and it's, I, I more, know that and I, so it's more Dougie Brimson style yeah I, I know Doug, uh, Doug, I know his brother Eddie because uh-huh. we were both we were both in different bands at the same time. But yeah, yeah, I was yeah. It's more like from the terraces what it was like going there and everything. Um, and that's what I, I wanted to get across. More like it was 
to get over that it was like a working man's game in those days, which has now like suddenly been obliterated. No, yeah, if you want working class, uh, don't go to Chelsea FC. So really, and I'm fascinated by the fanzine scene, in fact, at 12.30 today, June the yeah. 9th, I'll be listening to Adrian Goldberg on Radio 2. Adrian Goldberg is the founder of fanzine culture in Britain. Oh, right. Uh, and he really oh. knew what was going on in the 80s. Um, so yeah. So the the true football story is not Cass Pennant beating people up and it's not Nick no. Hornby coming in with his pen and eulogising about Michael Thomas. It is no. something like what Dougie Brimson has written. You know, f- football's been moved out of our, uh, our hands now. I hate Sky with a passion, uh, football reporting. I think it's, uh, uh, it's football coverage for morons, to be quite honest. It's just they talk such rubbish. That's just me. Oh, Jim White and his merry band sometimes drive me to distraction. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I miss. I mean, it's, I don't think it's an age thing as well. You could say that. I, I just I also think that modern football, a lot of it is absolutely boring. This playing out from the back almost drives me insane. I would advise anyone who wants to um, have a look at what football was like back in the day uh, is to watch the 1970 Cup final between oh, Chelsea and Leeds. Yeah, well, that's that's yeah. held up as the Example, there's one game where Liverpool demolished Southampton, but the other game is this cup final, which, was it the first cup final in colour? No, okay. the first one in colour, I think, was in 1968, West Brom and Everton. Uh-huh. But I, I, I went to both the games in 1970 with my sister to Wembley and the replay at Old Trafford. As you most probably know, when you go to the game, you don't realise, and at the time, football was like that. But when I watched it back, I mean, both teams were at each other's throats from... <laughs> from minute one I don't mean just like uh, you know like the tackling which has become infamous in the replay but both really going for it and sometimes now I think games are very sterile almost like it's, it's like chess I, I'd advise anyone to watch one of those games just to see how different it was and this was the Leeds team of Don Revy it was and yeah. the Chelsea team of Dave Sexton who both went on to become Top, top, top coaches. Sexton, I think, ran the FA's coaching. Uh, yeah. And then Revy, obviously, uh, became England manager very briefly, but won everything with Leeds. So how did yeah. they play? Obviously, Busby was at Man U, and uh, Arsenal yeah. won the double under... Was it Ken Furphy? Not Ken Furphy. Who do uh, I mean? Uh, Bertie May. But, thank you. But Yeah, Bertie May, who was also connected to what? Yeah. Um, yeah. So what yeah. did Sexton and Revy do that made it so exciting? Was it that they knew what to give the fans on the terraces, who were, lest we forget, the primary audience. Yeah, well, I, I just think at the time, Chelsea were like the embodiment of the uh, the swinging 60s and London and everything, and Leeds were the dour team from up north, who actually were uh, an absolutely brilliant side, one of the most fearsome sides I've ever seen. And um, I dreaded that we got to play them in the final because... We played them in January back at Stamford Bridge and they murdered us 5-2. Absolute. We were leading 2-1 at half-time. I went with my sisters to that game, freezing cold day. And, and in the second half, they were just unstoppable. But yeah, I mean, Chelsea had a, a great side. And also, as well as the flair players like Charlie Cook and Osgood, uh, we had the players who could mix it. I mean, up front with Ian Hutchinson has always been one of my heroes. And then we had the likes of David Webb and Eddie McCready, and they could mix it. And I think it was just those those two styles of North versus South. It was the classic final of its time. Were you at the semi-final at White Hart Lane? Yeah, I went to that, yeah. How I got, bad I were got Watford? 
No, they, they did well in the first half. <clears throat> it was one all at half-time. Because you see, I, I missed Chelsea's first goal because I was lifting my sister over one of the barriers because we got caught in a crush down the, uh, the park lane end because a load of latecomers came in and started shoving uh, and a, a crash barrier went and it was a bit of a crush. But um, So I, I really have only ever seen... I, I, I turned around and Alan Hudson was like behind me taking the corner. And then I just heard a big roar and Chelsea had scored. And then I think Watford equalised only about 10 minutes later... But I'm not being patronising. I always just felt that Chelsea would 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 do it in the end. Uh, and in the second half, it, they run out five-one winners, didn't I mean, they? As as well, you should. I've just had to look that up. But just as we were speaking, I thought, hang on, wasn't Watford Barry Endine, 1970? It, yeah, it was. I, I think was it Terry Garbett got your goal? I think. I will. I think he did. Yeah, a long-range shot. Now it it says here oh, that the final had one hundred thousand spectators what is it like being yeah. in that kind of crowd uh yeah yeah it was yeah it's good i mean i've been in a few of them now because i think i mentioned in the book that um my dad worked with there was a writer for the evening news or he was their chief sports writer victor Rowton, and he got me uh tickets for different finals at wembley you know teams i didn't support and also got me and my sister tickets for the replay at old trafford yeah it was brilliant it, the only trouble with the FA Cup final, rather than over the League Cup final, was that there were, it was only an allocation of sixteen thousand each for the finalists. The rest were just made up of like Hooray Henrys and people who schools who FA. Toss, really. Yeah, it was too yeah, collegiate. And when I'm yeah. approaching the FA for my book because it's about the Youth Cup, um, I will oh, right. tiptoe around the fact that the FA have done some horrible things in their past. Yeah. Uh, not yeah, least yeah. recently with Greg Clark, which is just utterly execrable, but they have just yeah. appointed a chairwoman, uh, and let's hope it'll be good enough. So, yeah, for those yeah. who don't know, 1970 final, uh, Leeds went ahead twice, Alan Hutchinson yeah. equalised at Wembley, uh, which meant that two and a half weeks later, that's a hell of a long wait for a replay, usually it's like four yeah. days after. They, they moved it to because it was a World Cup year that year, wasn't it? So they played the final very early. I mean, the final was on April the 11th, Replay was on the 29th of April. I'll never forget that day. Um, and it was moved to Old Trafford, really, because um, the, the Wembley pitch was in such a state that day. It resembled a beach. I mean, it was an absolute joke. Uh, so I, uh, they moved the replay up to Old Trafford, which, even though it was fantastic, and I still consider that to be the greatest moment of ever of supporting the club, no matter what we've done since, it was a bit of a thing that we hadn't won at Wembley. To be quite honest, it took a little bit of the gloss off of it, winning at Man United's ground. But, I mean, you know, uh, that night I couldn't have cared less of where it was. It could have been anywhere. But, you know, actually the weird thing is, and a lot, but I don't think many people realise this, that the, if that game had finished in a draw, there was going to be a replay at Coventry's ground on the Saturday after that Wednesday night. So, because the penalty shootouts hadn't come in, because it finished no, one all no. after full-time, Osgood scoring 10 from time. Uh, and yeah. then the great David Webb, who um, yeah. I think I saw him talking about. Um, did he play in the Cup Winners' Cup, David Webb? He did, yeah. Yeah, he was yeah, talking he did, about yeah. that the other week. He was doing the media round, still alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he actually saved us in, in the first game. That was what it was the, about. It was about making a tackle yeah. and getting injured. Because they equalised in the 90, 90th minute in the first game, Um which almost like broke my heart, really, because I was listening at home on the radio to that, because it wasn't on the TV, the final. 
No, there wasn't. It was a home international, England versus Wales. Oh. But on, as it turned out, the replay, which was two nights later on the Friday, that was on BBC, showed that live. So in a way, it worked out well because I could actually watch them, you know, live winning the cup. But yeah, I remember sitting out in the kitchen with my sister with the... Uh, and they didn't even have the game on the radio. They were just going there for updates. And they have radio 2. Yeah, they had England-Wales on. That finished in a goalless draw. And it was just excruciating. They had they actually deigned to have the extra time on after the England game had finished. But that was a horrible experience because they absolutely battered us in extra time. But as I say, yeah, David Webb, I mean, he was, he was absolutely outstanding that night. Mm-hmm. I hope Mo- Roman Abramovich and Marina Granovskaya have met David Webb and know of that great triumph, the Cup Winners' Cup. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think now that... I mean, under, under Ken Bates, it, it was pretty dire. He, he, he threw a lot of the old uh, stars, didn't he? Like he, he banned them from going back there. Did he? Mainly because they were the last successful club team to play for the club. And he didn't want anything to do with it. But now, I think all the players are, are really welcome back there now and everything. And the Bramvish has been much more accommodating, yeah. Wasn't there a Legends game a couple of years ago? I, I, it may have been 10, 2018, 10 years since the yeah. the win, and I wish I could remember, but yeah, the Desais and the Bogards and the oh oh yeah, that heritage of the '98 team. There's a lot of great foreign players, and then you've, of course um, you've got all those youth graduates who have come through, John Terry, yeah, and all I the rest well, of yeah. them who came through in yeah. those 15 years where you won everything. It got to the stage when Lucas Piazon said, please, please, I need to leave this club. Because they're, and Pashalic, the goalkeeper, so many low yeah. moves, and yet you're a Chelsea asset. That mustn't have sat yeah. well with you. Uh, yeah, no, it's a weird... It's a weird it's, let's, let's be honest, it's a strange club. It, by, by the rule of everything, like the universe, our model shouldn't work. But it does. We fire managers... Uh, we loan players out, we sell players that uh, go on to be superstars, and uh, but somehow they keep on winning stuff. I, I honestly thought after that miserable cup final defeat to Leicester that we'd had it in the uh, in the Champions League because we were abysmal against uh, Leicester. The, the uh, I mean, the equaliser I think should have stood actually. I, I can't see as that was given offside, but we held. It will next season. I don't think they can afford this again. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Because you're playing the game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and and I saw, I think it was the day after the cup final, not long after that, when, who was it? I think Cavani scored a goal for Manchester United where they, I think Fernandes put him through on the halfway line. And he was not, and... Chilwell was no more offside than what Cavani was, but his goal stood. And I, I just found it very strange in the FA Cup final, but he didn't even go to look at the screen, the referee. He just instantly disallowed it. But, you know, we, we deserved nothing on the day. I mean, you know, I, 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 I could see that one coming, actually, that Leicester would beat us in that final. Great goal. Tarmans, Tarmans is a super, super player. Yeah. Of course, Brendan... We must we must acknowledge the the glory of Brendan, who um, <laughs> yeah. in in another world would have managed Chelsea, but I don't think he ever will now. I think he's no, uh, no. ship has sailed, and it's a shame yeah. because he's along with Rafa Benitez. Uh, Michael Cox said in his book The Mixer, he is one of the forward thinking coaches because he brought the Rondo style. 
to England, apparently when he was manager of Watford for about seven minutes, uh, the goalkeeper told the goalkeeper to roll the ball out and audibly there was an intake of breath because at Watford we yeah. don't do that. We bung it long. 